friend, and welcome to the Chronically Well podcast. I am Callie Dixon, your host, and today I am interviewing Anna Oaks. I'm going to tell you a little bit about her in just a second, but first I want you to know about something that I now have available. I have a four-week plan to reclaiming your identity after chronic illness. It is free. It is intensive, and I've been getting lots of reports that it's been really helpful. So if you would like a copy of that, you just need to click the link that I have on the show notes, or you can head over to riverandquill.com and search for that four-week plan. Um, It's totally free and totally yours, and I want you to use it to get back to you. So today, we are interviewing my friend, Anna. Anna is a coaching consultant. She is working to restore humanity. How fun is that? She's restoring humanity into the world of work. Uh, She does that working with organizations, with teams, with leaders. She works in a coaching and a consulting perspective uh, through her business, the High Performing Teams. So um, as most of my guests on this show have, Anna also has a chronic pain condition that she will discuss with us today and how that has impacted her work, how she's used that in her work. Um, And that's just something we don't always talk about with chronic illness. How does this impact our work, our profession, our careers? And so we're going to discuss that today with Anna. You have an obligation to make and leave this world a better place than you than you found it. I couldn't even stand up straight. I remember uh, like literally walking down the hall and having so much pain and and then I collapsed and got rushed to the emergency room and my mom had to had to meet me there was they found uh, endometriosis, they found cysts um, and then the damage that was done from my appendix rupturing. So majority of my life has been spent being uncomfortable which has caused me to have to miss work. Revisiting our awareness, desire, our knowledge, and our abilities so that we keep evolving or you will stay stagnant. You will not up-level. In fact, there's a really good chance you will backslide. It will never be a nice memory that we learned something from. I think it will be a constant life lesson, a cyclical lesson that for whatever reason, each of us who has this chronic pain or illness uh, has has been given. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Chronically Well podcast. I am so excited to introduce all of you today to Anna Oaks. Anna is a speaker, a business consultant, a coach. She has a kick-ass podcast, and I am just thrilled to be able to introduce you guys, to let you get to know her. Um, And we are going to talk to Anna about chronic pain that she has dealt with most of her life today um, that maybe not a whole lot of people know about. So Anna, thank you for being willing to come on and talk to everyone today. Let's find out a little bit about you, um, aside from the illness and pain. I like to do that with each of my guests to begin with because we are people aside from illness and pain. Um, So where do you live? Who are your people? What does life look for you, I guess, on a normal basis, not when we're in quarantine for Corona? <laughs> but- right, I'll save you all that that story. <laughs> Tell us that too. But- <laughs> yeah, so, you know, life for me, I, I'm married. Uh, my husband is an amazing man. Um, and after having a not so healthy marriage before, I'm very blessed, very gifted uh, to have him in my life. So that's his name is Scott. We have twin nine-year-olds. So Asher is our son and Juniper is our daughter and they're nine, which means for those of you who've had, um, who have children and they've crossed that bridge into, you know, nine years old, like eight ish, nine ish, that nine year change is super intense because now they're more woke, you Uh know? And so even right now with the coronavirus, I was like, Ooh, in many ways, this would have been easier last year Mm -hmm. because they were a little bit more muted to the world and they were more, uh, they were just more mature. And so now they're more mature, which means they understand more, you know, which is cool in many respects because it opens up opportunities for really amazing conversation, but it also adds another level of intensity as a parent that we haven't felt before. So it's just, it's super cool. Being a parent is my greatest gift. Um, I always wanted to be a mama and wasn't sure if I would ever be able to. And that's related to sort of my, my pain and illness journey, but 
very lucky to have them. I spent over 20 years in corporate America doing supply chain, customer care management, just really being a person who displayed a lot of curiosity and asked a lot of questions and always volunteered, like volunteered for stuff. And therefore people are like, how did you get promoted so fast? How did you do this? I, there, there was no plan. It was just like, get in and be who I am. You know, I don't believe in that old adage of just keep your head down and work hard and good things will come to you. Mm -mm. If I would have kept my head down and not shared my opinion, I would not be where I am today. I would be probably in a different level role, um, not as happy and feeling very sequestered, you know, emotionally and intellectually. (laughs) Now that we can cross that vine from coronavirus. But (laughs) in a different way. In a very different way. (laughs) Not that I like either one, by the way. Um, But I did. And I'm very grateful. And although it wasn't with, um, although it wasn't intentional, it was with intention of being myself. And that helped me really learn a lot, grow a lot. And I found myself at the table about 10 years into my corporate experience really sitting with the C-suite and advising executives on their business strategy and how they can leverage talent for better business results. And so I was like, oh, I'm, I'm doing this? Like, don't you want me over there doing that? And they're like, no, 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 we really want your opinion over here. They just kept giving me dual roles or new projects or whatever. And it was very exciting. Um, and I, I finally left corporate after having the opportunity to get promoted to the chief human capital officer of HR. So... I struggled with that for two years, Kelly, and I didn't know why. I'm usually a very decisive person. I'm a Libra. So like my scales are usually pretty strong of like do it or don't do it. But I was like waffling. And I think what what it was is it was me against the world, like me against all of the opinions on what I should be doing, on what makes sense, on what's going to make the most money, on what's going to be best for my career in the long term. And I've never lived like that. And so finally, when I was able to come into alignment, after those two years of really self-torture, I decided, surprised the heck out of myself, but I surprised my, or decided to uh, go out on my own, which was yeah. like, what? I thought I was going to do that when my kids were in college and they were five, yeah. you know? That's so, so I, and, so and so scary. I've been, About, were you scared? I mean, like, um, I don't know. You don't seem like you would be. I don't have a lot of fear about stuff. I'm just pretty high risk. And because I usually rely so much on that intuition, um, which I believe is made up of my nature, just what was given to me in my DNA, um, some of which is really beautiful and some of which is, is maybe not so beautiful. But that makes makes up part of it, and then and then my nurture of all of the experiences, um, and relationships and people that I've been able to interact helps me with that intuition. So I think often people think intuition is this like really fluffy thing. We we shouldn't discount it like that. It's a really powerful, often data driven thing that nobody yeah. knows better than you. I really believe that, and so I just figured if I really feel this strongly about it, especially after two years of torture, it's worth a try. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give it my best. Like we we talk to our kids and we say like, all you can do is your best, get in and do your good work. And whatever the outcome is, like it's going to be good because you did give it your best. You can be proud of that. And so far, man, it's, it's pretty amazing. Like four years in, I'm really enjoying the freedom and flexibility of being um, my own boss. I'm really great boss. To myself. I, I would love, I would love to be, to work for you. <laughs> oh, I, I say that, with, my boss. I say that in jest, like I'm a really good boss to myself. I think I'm the best boss in the world, but luckily my team seems to agree. So that's pretty cool. And, and we're growing, you know, we're adding a team member, even through this coronavirus, I'm adding a, a team member next week. So, you know, I'm, I'm taking those risks because I want to add value. I want to help restore humanity into the world of work. And that means I need more people to help me do it right? To free me up of doing X, Y, Z so I can do ABC. Um, mm-hmm. And then and then even in that situation, Kelly, I hired somebody a year ago and she approached me a few months ago saying, you've been able to delegate to me, but now I have too much on my plate. So I have to delegate to somebody. And I was like, great, then that means we add. That means mm-hmm. we've grown because I'm staying busy and I'm adding value here. You're staying busy and you're adding value there. Now we need to be able to push that down. 
push that down the line. So it's just super exciting work. I feel like even in this time, I feel like the need for coaches and people like you, it's going to be possibly even higher because I think as people are being forced out of their positions, their, your typical nine to five, there's some pivoting happening, I think. So yeah, I mean, even, even for myself, I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> right. What am I, what am I going to do here? Yeah. Okay. And I think a lot of people are finding themselves in that position of reflection, which yeah. sometimes we need something to happen. And I'm sure none of us were wishing or hoping that it would be this big. Um, but I actually, it's hard to say this out loud, but I actually am really excited that it is such a, I don't even know the right word there, but you guys get what I'm saying. I'm excited that it's such a big impact because it yeah. does feel like I've seen those posts of like uh, mother nature just pushed the reset button and forced us all mm-hmm. to slow down. Yeah. When we do that collectively, I mean, this is what I'm getting goosebumps right now talking about it. This is what I do for a living. When I can get a team together, when I can work with an entire organization or at least a portion of that organization, there is power in numbers because Mm -hmm. I can work one-on-one and I'm happy to do that. But when I can work with a team, it, that, that, that those people, you know, sort of lock arms, say we're on the same page. We get to do this differently than we did it yesterday. And now I think we have a collective global opportunity to do that. And what that means for us individually is that if we've had those nagging feelings in the back of our head, that something is off with the way that things are going and the way we're working um, or the way our career is going, the way our personal life, anything, now is the opportunity to reflect on that. Do not think you have to change it all at once, but yes, right. please push into that. Now's the time. You don't have to come out of this in two weeks with a solution. No. Do not yeah. put that pressure on yourself. Because when I went through that two years of personal, like I say, personally inflicted torture, <laughs> I needed that two years. I mean, trust me when I say there was a lot of good work. Therapy was being done. I was talking to mentors, coaches, and advisors, but I needed to get there. And so you will get there in your own time, Kelly. And so will all of, all of the rest of us. Yeah. I think it, I think it just puts that question mark, you know, that, that permission to consider it. Of course. And we should be. And we should be. Yeah. Um, so you're up and you're based in Milwaukee. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm in the Milwaukee area and I work globally. Honestly, I just did some work in India. Um, I prefer that most of my work is local, um, (laughs) even in the Midwest because, um, it takes me away from my family, you know, and that's just not my jam. So I loved the experience and I loved coaching female founders in India. They were from India. So I, and people are like, oh, you had a bunch of like US people fly. No, these were like Indian female founders, which is such a rare opportunity. And I just felt really honored to hold space for them. Uh, but most of my work looks like consulting and coaching in the Midwest and US. Okay. Well, can you tell me a little bit more about what you do as a coach? So what types of things do you do for these? They're like, I, I want you, Anna, as my coach. <laughs> so what do you You're do? You're so great. Yeah. So, you know, when I work with people one-on-one, it's uh, either for career advancement or often, I, I would say probably 80% of my clients are within an organization. So they're usually that C-suite. So CEO, chief marketing officer, CIO, or the senior directors right below them. Um, and the reason I say that's usually where I play is that has a lot of the influence on the organization, both from a planning and execution standpoint. Um, and so, yes, I'll work with a mid-level manager. Yes, I'll work with an, an individual who's trying to get their career for move their career forward and or even in a different direction. Um, but I also like to play in that space that I think can sort of be that, you know, imagine like a stone and that uh, there's a crack and I can put that piece of wood or piece of metal in that stone and I can hit it. And with that tool, I will create a larger crack in the stone, you know? So I want to try to get to wherever that crack is in the rock so that I can make more advancement. So coaching looks like usually three to six to nine month um, increments uh, because I want to really know like, what are we trying to work on? I've coached Mm -hmm. people in the corporate environment for 20 years 
And internal coaching can look a little bit more relaxed. Um, Like if you're an HR business partner, for example, you're usually coaching at that C-suite and senior director level internally to your organization. So I have a lot of experience Mm -hmm. doing that, but that tended to be more ongoing relationships, really knowing where their business was, where they wanted to take it and being what I would call much more of an internal consultant and guiding them on how to get there. But my coaching Mm -hmm. now, because I don't live within organizations, um, means that I can come in and set these time-bound periods to say, what do you want to accomplish? Where are you really trying to get? Let me meet you where you are and let me help you get you closer to where you want to be. And I say that because it's not up to me how much progress the people make. It's really not because we're going to uncover some shit. Like we really are. I'm not a, a licensed therapist or psychologist, but I, I feel like I'm a, um, I'm a gateway drug to that. <laughs> that makes sense <laughs> because people meet with me and they're like, man, that was like therapy. And you're like, you, you think that was therapy? Like you should really go to a therapist because it's right. truly impactful. I'm a huge believer in therapy. I think if this whole world had a therapist and a coach, we would all be much better off. Um, totally. Agree. Yeah. But what I do is differently. It's very targeted. Um, certainly I know a lot or, you know, maybe I shouldn't say a lot. I know enough about the way the brain works, uh, the way our emotions are handled, uh, the way high performers perform so that I can bring that knowledge to them. Uh, but it really is up to them to use the tools and, and knowledge that I give them or that they attain from other places in order to really get to work, right? Do their good work, as I say. Yeah, you can have the best information in front of you, but you have to. Right. You have to implement. Yeah. yeah. So that's one on one coaching group team consulting. I can do, I've done conflict resolution consulting between founders, mm-hmm. right? Co founders mm-hmm. often have a lot of internal conflict. So if you're a startup founder, um, I've done a little bit, uh, I shouldn't say a little bit, I've done quite a bit of that work. Um, I've worked with founder startups, I've worked with um, executive teams, I've worked with senior leadership teams, I've worked with teams. You know, I'm doing some workshops this month sometime um, in the next month or two on um, how to use strengths, your own individual strengths to perform better individually and then collectively as a team or organization. And that's really powerful stuff where we take what are their real business goals? How are they working on them now? And then we overlay their strengths to say, this is how you could be working on them differently, individually and collectively to get better results, faster, better, stronger, whatever that looks like. I love it. You're, it just sounds like there's something new every day. It is. It is pretty cool. And, and my the thing that I love the most is that it's all about humanity. You know, yes. I, I want to, I grew up being raised by, I say raised by hippies, but you know, they, they certainly <laughs> did grow up in the sixties and, and stuff. But I think more, more than that, they were servants mm-hmm. in their communities. Uh, you know, they're very heavy in their church, but regardless of that, they were also very uh, committed to their community. And I grew up with the sense of like, you have an obligation to make and leave this world a better place than you, than you found it. And for me, didn't didn't predict it, but that has led me to this changing world, the future of work. What does that look like? And how do we make sure we restore humanity to it so that it can be even better, even more productive, and you can make even more money that way? So this mm-hmm. is not just like, I want everybody to feel good. I do want everybody to feel good. And I found out that you can make people feel good and make more money. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, tell me a little bit more about that. Um, you, we restore humanity is the name of it, yes. right? So, can you tell me how do we do that? What does that look like for you? What is what is the premise? Yeah, of that? so we restore humanity. I would say, you know, that certainly is my mm-hmm. our legal name of our company, and that is more of our mission. We go by okay. the name of Build High Performing Teams because we got a lot of questions that first two years out of so is it like Habitat for Humanity? Is it, because they saw the word humanity. And at the time, now people are saying the word humanity more and more and calling for that. But at the time, people weren't really using that as as a buzzword. So there was some confusion with like Habitat for Humanity, which build houses for the the needy. And I love that organization, but that was not what I was doing. Um, So we really needed to be more targeted, but it still is our mission in the sense that I want to make sure that we're giving people the tools and perspective and support that they need to change their day-to-day all the way to their year-to-year. Like, so that's our mission is how do we create content? How do we add value to people? Um, we're going to be doing a lot more and we've had a, a plan of going for the last two months, a lot more freebies. Um, we have a, 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 ta- or a 
We have a tool coming out, a product coming out, which is meeting in a box. Uh, we have one out so far um, where te- people who lead teams or even influencers within an organization can get these kits, which is like a ready-made team meeting. Right. So it's like we want to make sure they're doing things really well. And I promise you that the majority of meetings and organizations are not as productive and as effective in the sense that they're truly bringing these people together for a valid reason and then leaving them better than when they started that meeting. So I'm really Mm -hmm. trying to make sure we change those interactions at the ground level so that those interactions can feel better work. And that to me means we're meeting humans where they're at, giving them more of what they need. Unfortunately, we're working in a very antiquated work system. So whether you're in a small business of three or in a hospital of 30,000 or 3,000, you're going to see similar issues because humans are involved, right? Mm -hmm. There'll be uniqueness, but humans are involved. So I can sort of identify what those underlying reasons and habits are and help to change them. That's our goal. Oh man, that's yeah, so fun. It is fun. Um, well, let's let's switch here a little bit and talk about how pain, how chronic pain has contributed. Mm, yeah. To your practice yeah. As a so I, I first had uh, health issues when I was 14. I, for two, it was about two weeks, I was in high school and my mom was an English teacher at the time at the same high school. And gosh, she was annoyed at all the reports from other teachers about who I was kissing or making out with in the hallway, by the way. But I was like, hey, I'm so, she finally said, listen, if she's not hurting anybody, please stop telling me because it was like, she couldn't take it anymore. <laughs> like whose mom gets to hear who they're making out That's with in the breaking heart. <laughs> So, um, so I was, it was about two weeks of pain and I I had very heavy menstrual cycles and I heard from my mom, like, ah, yeah, that's just the way that it goes. That's what I had when I was your age until I had my hysterectomy. I think she had her hysterectomy at something like 43. Um, and so it was more like this just grin and bear it thing. And so for two weeks I had pretty excruciating pain and we all dismissed it as menstrual cramps. Yeah. Uh, but finally it was so bad, Callie, that I couldn't even stand up straight. I remember, uh, like literally walking down the hall and having so much pain and, Mm -hmm. and then I collapsed and got rushed to the emergency room and my mom had to, had to meet me there and my appendix had ruptured. So it had been leaking very slowly and it had ruptured which caused a lot of damage. So I had to be rushed into emergency surgery. And the outcome of that was they found uh, endometriosis, they found cysts, um, and then the damage that was done from my appendix rupturing. Oh, man. So because of that, I had tons of scar tissue and all of my internal organs were like bound together. Like somebody had poured super glue inside of my body. And yeah, so that was very painful in the sense. Did did they have to do surgery to separate them or did they just? Yeah. So I've had seven surgeries total. And some of those are laparotomies, which is like the full abdominal incision. And some of them have been laparoscopies, which are like go in through a scope. Um, And then one of those was my cesarean section. So it's been really great. But, you know, over the years, so dealing with endometriosis, cysts, I have uh, other, you know, symptoms or other things like illnesses that people have have equated to my abdomen, but it's all sort of contained in that area. But it's really caused, it's shifted the way I've lived. Like, yeah, there's nothing that, like for me, I'm like, wow, this has been a monthly battle for 28 years. So majority of my life has been spent being uncomfortable, which has caused me to have to miss work, which has caused me to like the hormonal hormonal reactions um, to surgery or even to, by the way, in vitro fertilization, which I had to do because my tubes were damaged in that first surgery. Oh, man. Um, and so, and by the way, that was surgeon error, not because of anything that had happened, oh. but we found that out later. So, you know, these things happen. So from a young age, from 14, I knew that I would need help getting pregnant because my tubes had been damaged and we yeah. couldn't get anything from point A to point B. Um, it caused me, you know, I, I don't know if it caused me career like damage because I was mm-hmm. 
already described sort of how I was. And so I was doing my very best to be me as, as often as I could. But if I'm totally transparent, there's probably at least a quarter of every month. So a week of every month. So Mm -hmm. seven out of 30 days, you know, where I wasn't and haven't been for 28 years fully there emotionally, physically, mentally. And so I'm sure it's affected those outcomes. Um, I think it's probably affected definitely more of my personal life than anything, you know, more time in bed. Um, It's led definitely to feelings of depression, which didn't really culminate until last year, you know, and and, um, relationships, you know, I mean, I had a guy after my first marriage, which was not a healthy marriage. I started dating for the first time and I met this guy who I who I thought I really liked and very attractive, very successful. And after dating for a few months, I was very honest up front um, about my history of surgeries and the fact that I would need some help getting pregnant. And he did not want to take that risk. So he was like, I I don't think we should date. And I was like, you're right. (laughs) If if you're that concerned about it and you're not willing to like be there for me, you're totally right. We shouldn't be dating. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry though. That must've been devastating. It's so good though, because I, you know, I'm not a person who believes in uh, destiny or fate. Um, but I certainly think I saw this picture the other day and it says, when you meet your soul's counterpart or mirror, you begin to realize why everything else didn't work out. Mm. And I really feel like that's Scott. You know, we've, we've definitely had our ups and downs. We're humans and we're in a relationship, but, um, you know, he's pretty cool. So as much as I look back and that, that felt really crappy, um, you know, good things come out of that. You can make good things come out of that when you are in alignment and you find somebody who's in alignment with you. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And I think that's true for the world of work too, Callie, when we have chronic Mm -hmm. illness and pain. Yeah. We will be more successful in managing that when we have spent time, first of all, ad- admitting that we have that, what we have, whatever it is that we have or that we are right. affected by. I don't like to use the word suffering with, but like whatever we're affected by, we have to start there, right? Like mm-hmm. it, it, I look at it from a business perspective, I'll use a, a quick acronym. I am certified in change management, which is that process of how do we look at things within an organization or even like a global pandemic and how do we move through that change? And there's been a lot of work done and research done. And one of the models that I love is, is ProSci. It's, it's an organization that, ex, that has expertise in change management and they use the ADCAR model, A-D-K-A-R. And it just walks you through like first and, and, I, and I, I use this personally too, so I'm going to use this as a personal analogy and you guys can make sense of the business side okay, later. But it. you okay. first start with awareness. If you don't have awareness of what's going on and how that's affecting you, I don't think you can move through the cycle. So like really keep going. Um, then you have to have a desire, a, desi- a desire to either cure yourself or manage it or you know work with it, a desire to have a life that includes this thing that you probably don't have any control over and didn't choose, uh, but you want to make it work, you know, so you've got to build that awareness, then have that desire. The K is knowledge. We've got to get educated about what's going on with us, Mm -hmm. right? Then we build abilities after we know who we are, what's going on, and we have the general knowledge of what's happening to us, then we can start to act, like the ability to act means we're starting to practice these new habits. We're getting closer to this version of our life or the season that we're in right now because of that knowledge and awareness and desire that we've built. And the last one, the A, so A-D-K-A-R, the last is reinforcement. And for me personally, when we look at our own change management journeys, whether that's like our career journey or our chronic illness uh, journey, that one is on repeat the reinforcement is so important. Like we have to keep revisiting our awareness, desire, our knowledge and our abilities so that we keep evolving or you will stay stagnant. You will not up level. In fact, there's a really good chance you will backslide. Mm. Let's talk about up leveling a little bit. So, um, how can, you know, I try to, I try to make the best out of my illness and try to look and see what, Mm -hmm. what had, what could it have taught me that not having it wouldn't have taught me. Mm. So is there any way that up-leveling happens 
differently when you have illness or pain or how can illness or pain be sort of that catalyst to growth? Yeah. I I love the word that you used. I do think it's a catalyst. I think it's, if you want it to be right, it can either weigh us down or it can project us forward. Right. So think of it as a weight. You can either use that to pull you back or you can use that to move you forward. So if I threw it the sack over my back with the weight, I would probably move backward. But if I held it forward, I'd be moving forward. So we just need to hold that weight in front of us so that we're moving forward. Let it be a catalyst for you. And for me personally, I my experience has been I am much more empathetic because of what I've been through. So as a leader uh, and a leader of leaders uh, in, for many years, uh, which is a very, much more complicated, or I shouldn't say much more complicated, but a different type of leadership when you're leading leaders, um, I've had to terminate people who have chronic illness and stopped going to the doctor and stopped submitting doctor's notes. And so even after two years of helping this person manage through their illness, that was actually my first termination ever, Kelly. It was horrible. I cried and I said, I wish we didn't have to do this. And HR was in the room and they're like, don't ever say that again. And I was like, I don't know how to do this. He's my friend. Like he was my employee. He was my friend. I cared about him. So in many ways it's made me empathetic because I understood, even though I wasn't um, awake as much then I was very numb from very many years of this cycle of like, okay, cool. I have chronic pain. It happens every month. It happens really constantly. I'm going to have to have another surgery soon. Like it was just something I did. So even though I wasn't awake to it, it still made me more empathetic. Yeah. And so as a leader, as a human, empathy is power, you know? Mm-hmm. And so use that. I think now that I am more awake to admitting I have a chronic illness, here's how it's affected me. Um, I am now more self-aware and self-awareness is the, the predictor of success for all of us. When we are self-aware, we will be able to do everything better. Everything we mm-hmm. do, relationships, tasks, because we know who we are. We know what we're really good at. We know what we're not mm-hmm. so good at. We know how all of our experiences and feelings affect us. And then we can act on those. When did you wake up? What was the process? Uh, I think it's been within the last couple of years. Uh, I would say it clicked, clicked mid-year through last year. It's like, so 27 years in, you know? Yeah. And maybe it's because it took so long, you know, because it was so long that it just felt like something that I had to accept. And therefore I didn't want to spend a lot of energy thinking about or talking about. And so I remember, you know, I've been with my husband for 13 years now. Um, I remember early on in our relationship, I would be bowled over in pain and I would just like, we would continue watching a movie because I was like, this is just the way that it is. I don't want you to like, like because guess what? There's nothing you can do. And so it was, there was anger there for sure. There was resentment towards the, the symptoms and the, the illnesses that I had. Um, And so that, you know, that, that definitely played into it, Callie. But I think it it took, it really took just time and it took life uh, and it took my body saying, okay, we've given you so many signals that something has to change. Mm -hmm. So something has to change. And so I had my hysterectomy in December of 2019. Mm -hmm. And I think that I really hyped that up that like that was going to be the end of it. Yeah. Like that, that was going to be the end of it, that I wouldn't have to deal with anything, any of this pain or discomfort anymore. My stomach would shrink. I wouldn't have the bloating. I wouldn't have the stabbing and shooting pain. And the honest truth is a lot of that is reduced and I don't have as much monthly pain. Uh, But because they left my ovaries in, which is a whole other discussion, I really wanted them to take them out and they didn't. But because they left my ovaries in, I still have symptoms every month. Um, PMS symptoms and uh, ovulation symptoms and, and some of those other pains. The hormone. Yeah. 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 So, you know, I think all that contributed to me sort of waking up to what this Mm -hmm. is. And I continue to wake up to it all the time. Like, I don't think it's something that for any of us will ever go away. Mm -hmm. It will never be a nice memory that we learned something from. I think it will be a constant life lesson, a cyclical lesson that for whatever reason, each of us who has this chronic pain or illness uh, has been, has been given. Mm -hmm. wherever you Mm -hmm. think you're given that from. (laughs) Yeah. 
I love a couple of things that stuck out that you said. Um, empathy. So, uh, and you're always going to be, going to be revisiting it. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think when you're throwing both of those things um, with chronic illness, what it's taught me a little bit is just that, that problem solving, that pivoting, that, and and the empathy. So you see what it is in other people. Maybe it gives you that intuition a little bit more of, and maybe that's helped you because mm-hmm. I see that a lot and you know, I see the passion and the curiosity mm-hmm. and maybe that, that knowledge of that empathy of what it is to be human and to experience these yeah. things, to experience hard things and things that need to change. And maybe that gives you a little bit of that. I don't know. Yeah, no, I I agree. I agree. I think it's why, you know, even on my podcast, which is build high performing teams. And if you look at a lot of the other podcasts about that, I I don't know very many of them that would have an episode like the one you and I did on chronic illness and pain and how that affects you in the workplace. Mm -hmm. Specifically, because they would be like, oh, that's just something you deal with. But no, it really does affect your performance and it can affect it in a positive way. And so let me give all of you who are listening who have illness or pain a a few more, I guess, uh, reassurances of how good you are doing and how you can use this opportunity uh, to grow your gifts and your strengths. You know, one of the other strengths that I believe I've, you know, developed from this and I know probably all of you who are listening um, have too, which is resilience. You know, we are Mm -hmm. much more resilient because we've had Mm -hmm. to have been, you Mm -hmm. know? And so when even coronavirus and I'm, you know, yeah, I'm panicked because I don't have any income coming in right now. And, you know, I listen to my friends talk about their bonuses they got this year at their corporate jobs and executives. (laughs) And I kind of like, Ooh, but I'm still happy with my decision. Yeah. So we are resilient. We have this yeah. confidence that we can get knocked down. I can be bowled over. I can have seven surgeries. I can have pain that causes me to change how I act at least 25% of the time. And I can still be a good human who people are attracted to and people want to work with. You know, yeah. we are resilient. It makes us powerful. And, and I think it makes us even more, I'm using the word attractive, but you understand what I'm saying. Like people yeah. are more attracted to us because they can feel that empathy. They can feel how resilient they, that we are. And so embrace mm-hmm. those superpowers that have been, I think everybody has them, but I think we have honed them better mm-hmm. because of what we've been through. People want evidence mm-hmm. that it's possible right. to be resilient. Mm-hmm. And I think when they look to someone like you, you are mm-hmm. evidence of that. And I think the coronavirus, I've been thinking about this a lot too. Like everyone's my friends, because I'm a total hypochondriac. And they've been they've been asking me, how are you doing? I'm like, I'm actually okay. Mm-hmm. Like I, I'm I'm I have my moments for sure where just the empathy <laughs> kind of cripples me sometimes. But um, overall I'm okay because I've been through hard stuff mm-hmm. before and I've gotten through it. And I think chronic illness, if you can leverage that, if you can use that and remember, I, I deal with this pain. I deal with this illness. You were dealing with, you still deal mm-hmm. with it monthly yeah. and look at me and I'm still getting through. We can, we can get through this. Right. You know? Right. And, you know, because I've worked with so many people and, um, lots of different organizations and sizes. I've seen all types of personalities. And I promise you there's the tough cookies out there who are working 80-hour work weeks or whatever and have chronic pain and illness and much like me are saying like, just something. It's just something I got to deal with. And they're not giving it, they're not giving it the time and attention that it is, it deserves. So they're not creating an aware, any awareness and they're not desiring to do more. And so then on the other side of the spectrum, you take people who uh, are highly sensitive, um, you know, empathic, highly sensitive, HSP, whatever you want to call it, which I am in that category. And then you give those people chronic illness and pain. And depending on what season we are in life or what decisions we make, we could look pretty similar to the other person we just talked about where we're just Mm -hmm. numbing it out and not going through it. But I believe that the people in that category are probably more likely to be awakened uh, Mm -hmm. to the possibilities that can come from their illness and their pain earlier than the others because of their sensitivity, because of their, um, who they, how they're built, 
because of how mm-hmm. they're built. We all have a chance to do that, but I think they're that other that other group, that highly sensitive group, uh, has a chance mm-hmm. to do that that better and maybe even faster. Oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so good. Highly sensitive people. I definitely feel like I fall into that category. Too. Yes. Um, okay. So I'm going to, we're going to switch things up a little bit again. Um, I read that you are a, a yogi. You're into yoga. And that's not something I think someone would look at, you know, your, your podcast yeah. and things you're doing and immediately go to. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about why that's important to you because I've, I've done some episodes on here about the importance of body and mm. um, connection to all of that, especially with chronic illness. Yeah. So, you know, I've curious. practiced yoga for quite some time. Um, you know, let's just call it over 10 years. And sometimes that's been more active than others. But mm-hmm. for me, yoga started off because I have um, different chronic pain in my joints. I have arthritis in my hips and my knees. Um, mm-hmm. Because of that, I started that out more on the flexibility side of things. But probably because I am the sensitive person that I am, I quickly caught on that like, this is a really amazing, amazing emotional practice. Um, And so I love the word practice. I love the word that yogis use because I believe that all of what we are doing is practice every day. Mm -hmm. It's just practice for what's coming next. And so simply by calling it a practice means there's no place to arrive to. It gives us permission to just be where we are today. And that means I practice a lot more restorative yoga now than I used to do more flow yoga and more intense yoga, you know, to get stronger, to do whatever. Even when I was doing CrossFit for many years, I would cross train with yoga, um, maybe more on the flexibility side than the emotional side. But I'd say over my journey, it certainly became much more of a spiritual and emotional journey than just the physical. And so much so that when I left corporate, I took a six month sabbatical and people are like, Oh, did you work on your business plan? Did you network? Did you whatever? No, I vegged out. I took naps. Um, people were like, Oh, do you watch a lot of Netflix on? I actually didn't. I did. I watched very little Netflix. I was, I was pretty much just like zoned out, which I needed to detox for 20 years of that go, go, go rat race and being there for other people and just be there for me. And one of the things I decided out of that is that I was going to invest in getting certified in therapeutic yoga, even though I never planned on using it. Like I never wanted to teach yoga. I love to teach and it, I, I, w- I would say that I would say it differently. I do want to teach and I'm not against teaching yoga. It is not my highest and best use of my time right now because mm-hmm. I have this mission and vision that is so strong on the world of humanity that I cannot distract that too much with doing other things. I need to pick the right, I would call it hobbies on the side that supplement mm-hmm. me. So for example, I even did photography for a while on the side when I was in corporate just to fuel my creative side. And I kept that going for two years into my business. It is not as fun as it used to be. And um, it's taking me away, even though I'm making a little extra cash, it's taking me away from my family and my business. And so I have to focus on my one biggest thing and then let those other things be little rocks. So with my yoga journey, then I did the yoga certification just for me. Like mm. just to deepen my own knowledge of yoga and how it is you can use things like uh, Ayurvedic principles to, which is like the sister science to yoga, to really understand your dosha or your your body type, right? Pitta, vata, um, kapha. I'm not high in kapha, you can tell I forgot that. Pitta is the really fiery energy and and vata is the really flighty energy. Mm-hmm. I tend to be very... I feel like that's me. You know, but really, it, this would be interesting for you and I to talk more about another time. But once I started learning about that, I was like, okay, like I'm very high pitta. I have very big driver energy. Like I'm like to go, I'm curious. I'm a very strategic future, futuristic thinker. So I'm thinking about what's next. But when I get out of alignment... Yeah. the the vata will show up, which is to me, that's the flighty energy. And I will be very confused. I can't focus. And that will be either for short periods of time or for very long periods of time. I'm sure there was times, years where I was more, much more in a vata zone uh, mm-hmm. of not being fully grounded, not really knowing who I am and not maximizing on my gifts to make a bigger impact on the people I was working with. 
So for that reason, just love that. And, you know, when people find that out about me, they're, they're usually not surprised that I have that passion. Um, but they are, uh, I don't know. It may, I, I was going to say impressed. I don't think they're impressed. I think they're like, I get it. And it makes me like you even more because mm-hmm. then they see, and I think that comes out in my coaching and consulting in the way that I approach humanity and the way that I talk to them and the way that I can sense not just where their strengths lie and the other things that I'm certified in like change management or strengths finder or conflict resolution, but I can also sort of look to see their basic energy and how they're using their energy um, mm. in, in a much more, or how they could use their energy in a much more impactful way. Mm, it's that intuition again. Yeah. And it just gave me, it's like, uh, I look at the, it's just another tool in my tool belt yeah. that makes me richer. I remember when I went back for my MBA, my mentor at the time, said like, I don't know, Anna, I don't know if you really need that. Like, do not think you're going to double your salary. Uh, this is about 10 years ago. Yeah, this is about 10 years ago. And I said, no, 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 no. I, I really just want to get my MBA because I find myself at the table with these executives and I don't understand everything they're talking about. My undergrad mm-hmm. was in public relations and I pretty much just coasted through college. Mm-hmm. Didn't love it. Ended up working mm-hmm. full-time at the end um, for State Farm Insurance. So I, I hadn't really um, had that knowledge. So I just really wanted to get that. But his advice was, look, if you go to do that, and I I use this advice in a lot of things, like my yoga, like whatever the thing that you're looking at right now that is like, is this book worthy? Is this something worthy? I always look at it through this lens. And he asked me, or he said, it will help you because he had his MBA too. He said, it will help you view the world through a different lens. And so I always look at that, like, is, is what I'm investing my time, energy, and mind into right now. And I mean, shoot guys, I watch a lot of Netflix that is not necessarily contributing to my, um, my mental or or emotional growth in many ways it could be, but the direct ways I'm saying like, is this going to help me view the world in a much more um, colorful way? Or is it going to help me take the blinders off? And I think that's just what my MBA did help me, you know, see the world in much, you know, uh, a wider view. My view is less narrow. It's wider now. Everything that I get exposed to, um, every person I choose to follow on Instagram, like you on River and Quill, every person I let into my life, I really want to either be aligned with and think like, yeah, we think a lot alike, or I want them to stretch me so that my viewpoint is expanding. I love that. Yeah. Um, I think I am, I know your answer to this, but can we have a career and an illness? Oh, for sure we can. For sure we can. And, you know, like I shared earlier, we could probably look at things that happen in our lives or decisions that we make or zones that we were in at a certain season in our life and say like, oh, that prevented me or that held me back or that was a a, a roadblock. Yeah. You could look at a lot of things like that, but I, I, I think there's maybe a hot minute that you should focus on those things just so you don't repeat them. Yeah. Like spend enough time on them so that you don't repeat the same mistakes, but mm-hmm. your illness is not a mistake, right. right? It's not anything that you chose. It's just something that you have, that you have, right. Mm-hmm. Or that you are participating in, right. Depending on, on how you want to look at it or what language you want to use. So given that, just looking at it and saying, how can I leverage what I'm doing? I mean, I'm all about leveraging what you have Mm -hmm. right now and then using it to help you get to your best next, right? I gave Mm -hmm. a TED talk last year. It's almost been a year ago. And although I'm not in love with the title of it, that was the title, leverage your now to get to your best next. Mm -hmm. It's all about that. So leverage what you have, leverage this illness and look at those strengths that it's making sharper. Look at those superpowers that it's honing, you know, look mm-hmm. at how much more resilient you are now. Look at how much more empathetic you are. Look at mm-hmm. how much more strategic you are because you've had to be really smart on how you've used your time and energy and which projects you work, work on and even which time of month or which time of day or whatever, which type yeah. of season, depending on what illness you've had, you've had to be a strategic thinker to get that all done. So look mm-hmm. at all that you've learned just by having the illness that the person next to you doesn't. I love it. It's pretty amazing. Yes. Um, We're going to move to some rapid fire questions here in just a second, but is there anything else that you would want to say um, 
to the person struggling with trying to make that balance. Um, they're trying to leverage, they've got a chronic illness and they maybe just don't feel like they are the person they were before in the role they were at work. Any last bit? Yeah. I'm already tearing up because it just like gets my heart. So, so heavy. Um, You know, I think it's a gift to have um, words uh, of encouragement given to you. And so let this be my gift that wherever you are, whatever you have had to overcome, whether it's from choices that you've made or things that have come to you, um, you can leverage those things for a greater impact on yourself and a greater impact on other people. Like you have been given this life, this one life that you're in right now, and you need to leverage it to make the impact that you wanna make in whatever way you want to make that. And that's my reassurance that this is your life, that you get to make your decisions. And some of them you're gonna like and some of them you aren't, but use what you've got. Like if you're gonna build a, a house and you only have certain materials, you're going to do your damnedest to provide a roof over your head with the materials that you have. I want you to look at your life in the same way. Like you have certain tools. They're different from the person next to you, but you can use them to build something remarkable, something beautiful that just impacts so many people in the way that you feel like you're called to do. Mm, I love it. I think there's more than one person listening right now that needed to hear that. Mm, anytime. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. So to end things on a, on a light note, <laughs> um, some rapid fire questions. Oh, okay. Let's do it. Okay. Um, so don't think too hard. Uh, that means don't be as long-winded, Anna. <laughs> no. Talk as much as you want. I want to keep, I just don't want this to weigh on you. Yeah, I yeah. don't want you to feel like I have to give. No, that's good. The best answer to these questions. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the best advice you've ever been given? This is kind of a heavy question, Mm. a rapid fire question. (laughs) Sorry. I'm going to go back to my mentor, Alonzo, who said that advice earlier, like just use your experiences to broaden your view, use them to add more color to the lenses that you're wearing. Like whatever version of that advice you want to take. I really honestly think that's probably been some of the most impactful advice that I've ever received. So good. Mm -hmm. So good. Um, what is anchoring you right now? Oh man, (laughs) my Vata (laughs) energy is super big right now. We're one (laughs) week into the quarantine. Um, what is anchoring me right now? Honestly, my hope for humanity is daily restored, Mm. even during times of change. Now I'm going to get very emotional, but like, Mm. even during this time of change, when people are so scared and, um, so confused and ungrounded to see the kindness that is happening um, amongst humans is remarkable to see what's happening in organizations guys who until April whatever when they pass this law that's now coming out don't have to be paying their employees didn't have to be a lot of small businesses don't have to be and they're showing grace when they do. And a lot of people will be hearing this rolling their eyes saying, well, now they're legally mandated. I understand, but look at these employers, uh, whether they're small or large, and they are giving grace. They are making exceptions. I mean, you guys, it is unheard of for people to continue to pay their people while they quote unquote work from home and homeschool their children. Like these are remarkable exceptions that are the times forcing us to do that. Yes. But I see companies, I see leaders showing up and it just makes me feel like we've got a shot. Like we have a shot, not only on resetting this earth. Like I've seen all the posts on like, Oh, I don't know if this is true, but the water in Venice is cleaner and like all of these things that have happened. 
Yeah. Right. So like all these things for, 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 from mother nature that are happening to the earth, which will deepen our experience and ground us even more heavily going forward. Like that's a gift. And then you look at like, I believe this will fundamentally change the wor- the way we are working. And for that, I am, I will be forever grateful for that. Mm, I love that. So that's and grounding me. It's humanity, like mm. looking at the goodness of humanity. I know and the empathy that people are showing, and mm-hmm. oh, I'm with you. Yeah, I see teachers reading books to their students. And- oh, oh my gosh, our teachers this week have just shown up oh. so oh. hardcore. I'm so right? grateful, so grateful, and their job is so stinking hard. I've ne- I've said this a million times <laughs> in my life, especially because my mom was one. But like, teachers should be making basketballs make basketball players make millions of dollars teachers should be making millions of dollars really should and I feel like each of them should be getting a bonus right now for all the work that they've been putting in I know yeah okay um what is making you fly right now what is making me fly Mm -hmm. uh I I really think it's it's my crew like my family. Um and then I would add in you know precious friends to that next layer but like we're a, a unit, you know, like the three of us, we're just, we're cool, man. Mm-hmm. You know, like you've got your kids, like you guys are a unit, like that opportunity to reconnect with your unit. And it may not all be pretty guys. There may be tears. Right. There may be raised voices. There's a, you know, my daughter <laughs> said, will it be annoying if I ask you? And I was like, oh shit. Like <laughs> there's those moments where I, she obviously knew at another time that I was slightly annoyed. So it's like, okay, cool. But again, we're human. Yes. So like, even in that, like we have this opportunity to slow down and that's making me fly. That's actually making me want to do even more when this is over. Mm-hmm. So what I'm doing right now is like tempering that excitement because I could easily go like, cool, I have all these amazing ideas. I'm going to go lock myself in the office. Scott, you got this right. Boom. No, yeah. that's not fair. Like I still want to conserve this time. So next week's spring break, I'm going to be taking even more time with them next week and not homeschooling them, but having them having super fun times and going on hikes together and still practicing quarantining and social distancing, just getting and experiencing life in a different way than we were able to this week. I mean, we really tried, but next week is a lot more freedom. And for that, I'm grateful. So what's making me fly is just that potential of what'll happen next. Mm, I love it. Mm -hmm. Okay. This one's real deep. Chunky peanut butter or smooth. Ooh, I'm going to say smooth, but it has to be natural. Like uh, we've been on a natural peanut butter kick for at least 10 years. And now when I have the other stuff, I'm like, oh, hooey. So like if it's natural, I'll probably take a good crunchy or creamy, but we usually tend to go creamy. There's um, at the natural food store in town, you can make your own peanut butter in the machine. It's kind of one of my most favorite things to do, but it's really expensive. It is really expensive, but it's like a nice treat yourself, you know? on toast oh, man. Mm, or like like buy a really gourmet pretzel and dip the pretzels yeah. in the peanut butter it's like oh, oh that sounds great mm-hmm. I'm getting hungry <laughs> okay um you have five minutes to live oh gosh what do you do who do you call what do you say oh man <laughs> I'm such a crier how many times have I cried on this episode? Four? Okay. Okay. Good thing this is not on it. No, I don't I actually don't mind crying in front of people. I cry in front of my clients all the time. I'm like, I'll cry first so you can cry. Um, if I had five minutes left to live, um, as much as I adore my parents, as much as I um, adore so many people, I feel like I would just crawl in bed with Scott and my twins and just hold each other. Like that's all I would really want. Like that's the most beautiful way. And I've had the opportunity, um, to be with two people when they passed and it's a beautiful experience. And so all I would really want for that would be to be laying there with them. It's so beautiful, Anna. Your heart and your soul and your passion and what you are doing for this world is so inspiring. Thank you. Thank you. It's my honor. It's my honor to walk alongside all of you on this journey. For sure. Well, um, let's say someone wants to use your services and would love to hire you as a coach um, Mm. or just get in touch with you. They want to just want to talk to you. How, How would they go about 
doing that. Yeah. I think a great place to start is our website. So buildhighperformingteams.com. Um, or you can just Google Anna Oaks and that's O-A-K-E-S. Um, so start at the website, but I'm most active on Instagram. I love, it's just my crew. I, they, they tend to be more creative and that's where my spirit lies. And, and I've had coaches say like, you need to be more, I get it, but I love Instagram. That stuff automatically feeds to Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn quite a bit. Uh, mm-hmm. so check me out there. But really, the website's going to give you connection to the podcast, Build High Performing Teams. It's going to give you connection to our blog, Humankind. Uh, it's going to give you updates on our freebies that we've got coming out. Like we're going to have weekly freebies, guys, on topics that are connected to our podcast. So these are things that you can grab and tangible tools that you can activate right now. So whether they're habits or things that you can can work with your team on, uh, they're going to help both employees and leaders. So meet me there. I'd love to be connected with you. Um, Um, Yeah. And it's just, it's so, as much as I have a love-hate relationship with social media, it's helped me meet so many wonderful people like you and help me stay connected to so many more. Like it's, it's our obligation to share our message with as many people as we can in whatever way works best. I love it. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for sharing that. And I'll put all of that in the show notes. So if any of you are looking for that, all you have to do is click on the link and you can find Anna. So thank you so much for being here today. Oh, thank you. Peace and progress, guys. Thanks so much for listening today, friend. It's been a pleasure to have you here. I hope that you found something that you can take with you to help you on your own healing journey. Um, Just a reminder, that free resource is available for you in the show notes. Also, if you're enjoying this podcast, I bet some other people might as well too. So if you could just share a screenshot of you listening to this podcast right now, screenshot it, put it up onto your social media and say, hey friends, this podcast, it's great. Go listen to it. I'd really appreciate that. Uh, I just want to get this message of hope to as many people as I can. So um, until next time, my friends, go and live your life. Live that beautiful life chronically well.